0: Well, now on our podcast, we're speaking to Philip Booth, who is the Director of Policy and Research here at the Bishops' Conference and also the Professor of Finance, Public Policy and Ethics at St Mary's University, Twickenham, and at that very same prestigious university, the Director of Catholic Mission. Philip, good to have you with us. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about a cost of living statement that the Bishops' Conference is putting out. And it's been a year or so, and autumn, winter... Clearly, certainly, in terms of our Catholic families, families full stop is is a challenging time. Mm-hmm. You know, with with the fuel costs, just to name but one thing. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about the context. Why now for this statement? What, why is this important to us now?
1: Well, as you said, James, it is about a year since we put out the last cost of living statement, and inflation has fallen somewhat during that period. But at the same time, certain things are putting greater pressure on 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 family life. Uh, But also we find that there are just structural issues that families face, which, if you like, reduce their resilience in the face of the shocks that we we had to to energy prices, food prices, and and so on. And the government will be making um, a big financial statement on, on the 22nd of November. And the Department for Social Justice felt that this was the right time to issue... Another statement on the cost of living, which also set the wider context and maybe the longer term context in which some of these problems are evolving.
0: And what are those those more long term structural problems that people face?
1: Well, perhaps the most obvious one is the extremely high cost of, of housing that uh, people face in, in the United Kingdom. The Caritas Social Action Network did some work on this a a few years ago and and, um, developed some uh, policy papers, but um, really nothing has has changed since. In in fact, if anything, things have got worse. Rents have increased in the last um, year or so. Mortgage rates have also increased. So families face, in this country, a very, very high cost of housing, which takes an extremely high proportion of their disposable income. That's one of the big challenges that families have faced in the UK for really a, a number of years. The other problem which is developing in a, a lot of countries in the Western world is, is changing demography. So the the population is ageing, pressures on health care, pension systems and so on are increasing. And at the same time, as the population ages, the number of working taxpayers is either falling or falling as a proportion of, of the total population. And this makes it much more difficult for governments to fund public services. So you have simultaneously the phenomenon of the tax burden increasing and people commenting on, on that. And, and of course, families have to pay additional uh, levels of higher taxes, whilst at the same time, spending on certain things, especially welfare benefits uh, for people of working age and other items of government spending are falling. And the, the reason for that is really because of the pressures on certain budgets, pensions, health care, et cetera, arising from the ageing population. A third issue, which is also facing all countries, is the desire to move to net zero, the desire to decarbonize uh, economies. And when we had the recent energy price shock, one of the things, of course, which countries couldn't do was shift to other forms of carbon-intensive energy, which perhaps could be produced domestically or imported from areas of the world not affected by the crisis, such as coal. And it may be that over time there are technological innovations which make renewables and forms of energy which emit much less carbon much much cheaper but at the moment the process of decarbonizing e- economies of course costs both governments and uh, households money so that's that's th- three challenges amongst many others i'm sure that governments in uh, much of the western world are facing
0: and of course um, you know this cost of living statement will be on our website so it's important to say with this interview mm-hmm. we're, we're not covering the entire mm-hmm. statement you can read that for yourself dear mm-hmm. listeners Now, a quick word about the preferential option for the poor, because Mm. we we hear this quite a lot, this phrase, Mm. but perhaps we need it unpacking. What exactly does it mean? Well, I think in this context, it
1: means that the the government, despite the challenges it it faces, indeed, you could say because of the challenges it faces, should be especially attentive to the needs of the poor when examining policy options. So this may include points we've raised, which we think the government should take into account before the autumn statement, such as ensuring that welfare benefits are fully uprated in line with inflation, of reversing the two-child cap on universal credit payments, and also when it comes to policies such as the decarbonisation of energy markets, making sure that um, the poor are protected from some of the more expensive consequences of of that. And, and so you know, the preferential option for the poor is something which should be at the heart of, of all our Catholic life. It's not just something for politicians. But when politicians are examining policy options at the moment, when there are so many people struggling with the cost of living, when there are so many people who are on the margins of actually being able to afford all those things which are necessary for a dignified life, it's incumbent upon governments to examine uh, policies through the lens of, of how they will lift the burdens on the poor.
0: Well, without playing devil's advocate too much. I think, you know, you do acknowledge that these these decisions aren't easy for Mm -hmm. government. So I suppose an obvious Mm -hmm. question would be, you know, what is the church's voice in this? Is Mm -hmm. it appropriate that we raise our voice? It seems to me it is, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear it from from you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there are a range of perspectives on, on this, but
1: the church teaches that the church is an expert on humanity and that all knowledge comes from God and if you think about disciplines such as economics, political economy, politics, etc., they're all interconnected and they're all connected with wider philosophical issues and indeed wider theological issues as, as well. So the church must have something to say uh, about these issues. There is then the question of to what extent the church institutionally has something to say about specific policy options which face government. Then... There's perhaps some disagreement between Catholics as to how detailed uh, that the Church should get. But the, the statement makes clear that there are many people working in public life, many Catholics working in public life, many others of goodwill working in public life. There are organisations like the Catholic Union and the SVP, Caritas Social Action Network, who are very close to the policy scene. They're very close to the problems that that, that people face. and and if you like, they have the expertise and uh, ability to make prudent judgments when it comes to policy recommendations. So the Catholic Union, for example, has done work on the taxation of families and the the way in which the uh, taxation system and the welfare system doesn't treat certain forms of family structure uh, as justly as it should. And and as I mentioned before, Caritas Social Action Network has done work on housing and and so on. And all of these organizations are actually working together on the question of the two-child cap. So the church in her social teaching does actually say that she has no models to present, she has no technical solutions, but she does have a perspective on principles and then of course a huge number of people, huge number of Catholics and others in goodwill working in public life whose um, vocation it is actually to develop technical
0: solutions to the problems we face. That's very interesting. I mean, just as as a small personal question, do you find applying your faith or having your faith as a key part of you coming forward into economics is challenging? Are there, do you hear the argument from people that the two things should be totally separate? How much of a challenge is that for you? You do hear the argument that the two things should be totally separate. And
1: in in the academic world in, in particular, there is some merit sometimes in separating out uh, disciplines into their what some people call silos. The Catholic Church recognises actually that each each discipline, each academic discipline has something to contribute and has often its own framework of reference or own methodology. But especially following the financial crisis and the now Cardinal Archbishop of Westminster, Vincent Nichols, took a a real lead here, people have realised the importance of reconnecting economics with ethics, with wider aspects of uh, philosophy and also potentially with theology as well, rather than just seeing technical, what some people call positive economics, you know, empirical economics, if you like, as being a subject which should just be ploughed as a furrow, not connected with other disciplines. So you get fewer and fewer people, I, I think, saying that we, we shouldn't try to look at how the economics, politics, philosophy, theology should be joined together and how the subject should,
0: in a sense, enrich each other. Well, I feel it should be. It feels comfortable for me to hear you say that. Going back to this statement, I like it. I like the balance of it. I like the fact that, obviously, it it does challenge government. It does talk about those priorities that the government should have as we see it that you've mentioned. But also, you know, a statement is a statement. Where where does it lead to to action, to to a better place for people Mm -hmm. that are struggling, that find themselves on on the margins or very close to the poverty line or below it, sadly? Mm -hmm. You know... When does this sort of statement turn into action? Is it, as you recognise towards the, the end of this piece, the acknowledgement of what the Catholic charities are doing, what Catholic schools are doing, people under the CSAN umbrella, the uh-huh. SVP, for instance? Tell us a bit about the, the action to this statement.
1: Yep. OK. I mean, there's, there's a great deal of work which has been done by Catholic charities and, and by Catholic schools to ease the short-term effects of the cost of living crisis and, and also to help, of course, migrants, refugees and and, and so on uh, who are entering the country partly from troubled parts of the world, such as Hong Kong and and, and Ukraine, but also to seek a better life in the United Kingdom, which the the church teaches they are entitled to do. Pope Francis has talked in relation to the the climate crisis that lots of small acts can build up to a change in culture. and I think the, the same is true when we're talking about the exercise of solidarity in civil society, in our parishes, in our schools, and in Catholic life more generally. Pope Benedict XVI, in his encyclical letter, Deus Caritas Est, which he published in 2005, talked about how the Christians of the early church made offerings in accordance with their means, and those offerings were used to support orphans, widows, the sick, and others who found themselves in need. But he also talked about how this was, in a sense, the mark of Christians. Others recognised Christians for their willingness to assist others. And throughout the life of the church in England and Wales including in the period since the re-establishment of, of the uh, uh, hierarchy, the Church in England and Wales has been marked by a huge outpouring of charitable works, the creation of schools and then the creation of a, uh, a very significant network of Catholic charities, many of which come under the umbrella of Caritas Social Action Network. And if you add up all of the um, small and very often significant things that these are doing, they amount to an enormous amount of assistance that has been given to those who find themselves in hardship at the current time. And that's what the church calls us to do. Solidarity is not a political action plan, or at least not just a political action plan. It's a virtue which
0: the church calls us all to exercise in all aspects of our lives. And mentioning our Lord Jesus Christ should obviously not be a tick box, but I have to say I feel happy that we do see this enshrined in Scripture. The introduction that there's a quote from psalm 34 the mm. lord hears the cry of the poor mm. simply but but very well put and i think final question to you is and i might be thinking of the widow's might here i mean those that have nothing almost nothing mm. feel they have absolutely no leeway in their their monthly budget uh-huh. i mean is there a role for all of us in here no matter where we find ourselves on on that sort of prosperity or poverty spectrum
1: Yes, very much so, and I think it's important that there is a wide understanding of this because it, it's by helping others that we feel more fulfilled ourselves and closer to God our, our, ourselves. And it's not just those who are, are poor as well. It may be those who, for, for other reasons, uh, illness, infirmity, maybe housebound and, and so on, uh, are unable to contribute actively, say, to the charitable works of the church or at least contribute financially, I should say, to the charitable works of the church. So in, in his encyclical letter, *Sollicitudo Rei Socialis, John Paul II wrote, those who are weaker for their part in the same spirit of solidarity should not adopt a purely passive attitude or one that is destructive of the social fabric, but while claiming their social rights should do what they can for the good of all. And whatever our situation in, in life, our cost of living statement says, We can all contribute to promoting the dignity of others and help others live a fulfilled life. And this is so even if our circumstances limit us to praying for others or offering up our own um, suffering. And and those works of charity that we do in in that way then bring us closer to God and deepen our own relationship uh, with God. So whatever our position, whatever the circumstances we find ourselves in, we can all do something to help others throughout this cost of living crisis.
0: Well put. We all have our part to play. Philip Booth, thank you very much indeed.